It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Well, I'm going to bring nothing to this podcast. I eat a lot of brownies. And Sam Ostrowski. All right, I mean, here, go ahead, do it again. Am I going? Welcome into the premiere of the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Pull up a seat, make yourself at home. Dan Collins here alongside my co-host, Sam Ostrowski, and we are ready to fire on all cylinders after lots of talks and preparation. We are finally able to get this show on the road. The goal of the show now, who did your team receive? Who did they lose? What is their strengths and skills are the questions that we are going to answer about minor league baseball prospects. That is the goal here of this show. So without further ado, we're going to do a little bit of introductions. As mentioned, I am Dan Collins, one of the co-hosts here on the show a product of the University of Illinois Broadcast Journalism Program while there was very heavily involved with the student newspaper and radio station WPGU 1071 and this past summer broadcasted for the Matsu Miners, a.k.a. the reigning champions of the Alaska Baseball League. And Sam, you have a little bit of a nice background with baseball yourself, don't you? At least I hope so for this podcast and all the listeners so we can actually say that we know something. Uh, but I graduated from Illinois State, same thing, broadcast journalism, found myself in a couple different areas. Uh, but all you need to know currently is that I currently work for the King County Cougars, the single-A team for the Arizona Diamondbacks as their on-field MC. If you're ever around Geneva, Illinois, come out, have fun, check out the game. I act a fool in between innings. It's a great time. Uh, and I also can be found doing some play-by-play or color, color analyzing for uh, Mediacom as a, as a freelancer doing some high school sports and uh, on occasion college as well. So in the, you name it, basketball, wrestling, uh, baseball, football, all of it. So that, that's where I'm currently at. But like you said, this podcast is going to be prospects, prospects, prospects. We're going to tell you everything that you need to know about, like you said, all these trades, these call-ups, these send-downs. When you're pissed off because your favorite player got traded, we are here to comfort you, to tell you that it's okay because what you got in about a year or two, maybe even three years, sometimes you got to wait. That's the name of the game in baseball. It's okay, and your team's going to be just fine. Or, you know, there is the opposite, too, and your team's going to suck. So we'll, we'll see, though. We'll, we'll, we'll go through all of it. Yeah, and those are just natural emotions, and that's exactly what we are going to be hitting on. The guys who are shining like stars and the ones who are supposed to be shining like stars – they will get much credit on this show, and the ones who are stinking the place up, well, we're probably going to down them a little bit, or at least call them out. So, without further ado, Sam, if you will, it is time to play ball. I feel like there's only one other place we could start with recapping, obviously, the hottest minor league baseball prospects on the move this past winter, and obviously a lot of them came to the south side of Chicago, most notably Yoan Moncada. Of course, there's many more to get into. There's Michael Kopech, and we have Lucas Giolito and other hitters to get into. But mostly what you could say with what the White Sox did, that is obviously the team we are talking about here, Sam, mm-hmm. is in rebuilding. They're obviously in this rebuild mode now, you could say, is they made it a point to not only get a top hitting prospect, but a couple top pitching prospects to go along with that well you said it right there you first you got the adam eaton trade to the washington nationals for lucas giolito the number three prospect ronaldo lopez the number 38 prospect and dane dunning the number 59 prospect out of the 2016 draft and then on the other side you got the big chris sale trade where they got yohan Moncada, the number one prospect as we all know michael kopik the number 30 prospect and to add to it victor diaz and luis alexander basabe and boy look at what they got for them unbelievable particularly the adam eaton trade i mean lucas giolito is a stud he's the number three prospect on the top 100 prospect list 
I mean, the guy is outstanding. He's got a he's a got a big frame, staying in at six six, two hundred fifty five pounds. I mean, the only worry you have to have him, but is injuries, but that's really with any pitchers. He did undergo Tommy John back in 2012, but he's been fine since then. He hits mid-90s in his fastball and has this absolutely disgusting 12-6 to curveball that he could just completely dominate hitters with. I mean, so the return they got for Adam Eaton, who in my opinion is average at best, I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable because along with him, they uh, knocking in Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning, who was actually drafted in 2016, so... The Nationals wasting no time in getting rid of one of their top drafts. Uh, he's from out of Florida, 29th pick overall. I mean, he's probably going to be, a, um, if you're lucky, late of the rotation pitcher. But that is the worst player you got in that trade. And one thing for sure, you get rid of a name like Chris Sale, somebody who is year in and year out, at least for the past few seasons, and projected for the next few seasons to be a Cy Young Award winning candidate, you lose somebody like him, and now there's obviously talks floating around. Before you know, we'll probably be doing a show dissecting a trade between the White Sox and somebody else for a guy named Jose Quintana. Which the market now, likely. the prospect market now is already set. You would say because of the Chris Sale trade, which obviously, hey, what do they get back in return? Will they at least get the number one prospect in the nation, then another prospects to go with it? But in losing these top quality pitchers. You're making sure that you at least get some top quality back. And you look at a name like Michael Kopech, and there's one thing in particular that's obviously going to stick out to you. Well, two things, actually, at least for me. One, the guy at least once in his career, and he has the ability to throw over 100 miles an hour, 105 mm-hmm. miles per hour to be exact. Now, the one thing Chapman. That is, very, that is very Chapman-esque. One thing we were talking about, though, and this is something that for any sport should be on your radar, is he could be a little bit of a hothead. There was news going around that you know he got into it with a teammate and whatnot. I don't I don't know why he decides to get into it with a teammate in the clubhouse, wherever the heck they would have been. Uh, why don't you just wait till batting practice? You could throw one of those hundred and five mile per hour fastballs <laughs> straight into his back. That's probably exactly how I would have dealt with it. But if it's somebody like Michael Kopech who can maybe learn to settle down a little bit, channel whatever little bit of frustration that might have been, because that's something you don't need. Because if you remember, Chris Sale kind of got a little bit of a reputation for himself with being a flamethrower on the mound and a hothead in the clubhouse. He was tearing up jerseys and whatnot, so you (laughs) almost don't want that same kind of character in the clubhouse. But just breaking down the minor league numbers for Kopech, 4-1 in his minor league career with a 2.08 ERA, 33 walks, and 86 strikeouts. He could throw in the triple digits. He has a plus-plus fastball slider that comes in. The scouts are giving this via MLB.com a 60 and then a changeup at 50. So he's got an average changeup. So even if that changeup stays as average, with a fastball that is just plus-plus, that's a perfect combination for a lot of strikeouts. Speaking of strikeouts, we led this whole thing off with Moncada, and in 19 at-bats in the major leagues now, this is his major league total, 12 strikeouts. So I'm guessing if there's something that you want to look at there, he has to get a little better at something that screams to me is perhaps pitch recognition, selection, something there where he's got to recognize maybe a breaking ball here. There's something that he might be getting fooled on. Perhaps he's trying to swing for the fences a little bit too much and he's getting caught off guard with the changeup. I would like to know exactly how those Ks piled up so quickly because 19 at-bats, 12 strikeouts, that is definitely not a good ratio. But if you look at his tool set all along the way, he is either average or plus. He's actually plus in every category except for fielding. He's he's a 50 fielder, overall 65. He can hit, 
hit well, and he has above average speed. So this is somebody, Sam, I'm thinking probably going to make the 25-man roster breaking spring unless something, you know, barring any kind of drastic injury. But you look at what the White Sox did, and, you know, we're here to talk about prospects, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he's major league ready. I, I would be extremely surprised if he wasn't on the roster come opening day. I mean, this guy, you know, that's such a small sample size, 19 at-bats in the majors in his first, you know, not even his first year, I wouldn't even call it, you know, because his rookie season's coming up. Uh, but something I want to note about this guy, you mentioned his speed. It is well above average. I mean, you're looking at a potentially a 30-30 player, and those are hard to come by. You know, when you think of 30-30, who do you think of? You think of Mike Trout. You think of Ryan Braun in his prime, you know, well, He's still in his prime, but some people get pissed off about Ryan Braun. That's a different story. Whatever. But he's the kind of guy who's going to get on base. He's going to make singles into doubles by stealing. He, hell, sometimes he's going to be making to third. He's, that, he's got that kind of speed. But we were talking before we even started this podcast. Go to YouTube and just type in his yes, name. Yes, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Listen. All I want you to do is watch his at-bats. Watch 10 straight at-bats every single time this guy makes contact. Listen to that ball popping off that bat. You will not hear that kind of sound off anyone else, not just anyone's bat. That is a top prospect there, and that is a major league all-star right there. I know it sounds ridiculous to talk about just a sound coming off a bat by swinging and hitting the ball, but I'm telling you, this guy's swing, the amount of power and the quickness in his swing is incredible, and he is making solid contact every time he puts the ball in play. We're going to talk about them a little more, and we're going to talk about the rest along the way, but just for the sake of time... I should say we can move on now to our next topic. As I said, we are definitely going to revisit some of these along the way. And this here, bringing this transitioning into the next topic, Sam, we had a little bit of a tough time on what we are going to call this, but I think it's perhaps going to be one of the most interesting segments of this show, and it's definitely going to be one of the main ones that we have a lot of fun with and talk about. Oh, yeah, it really is. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be we're calling it three up three down and basically what this is is we talked about you know how we're going to break down these prospects and this is exactly how we're going to do it each week dan and i are each going to take a team and we're going to go in order of division uh we're starting with the central uh dan's going to take all the american league teams and i'm going to take all the national league team and we're going to give you three prospects that you should note one is going to be the obvious prospect it's going to be the star as soon as he hits the majors you know he's going to impact the team for the better and then you're going to hit the second one the bust you know what that means those first rounders even sometimes those second rounders they have all these high hopes and yet somehow they were drafted in in 2000 i don't know nine and they're still finding their way into single a maybe single a advance if they're lucky those players obviously the bust you got to get rid of them get them off the team and then of course the third yeah you know we didn't just throw out a name on there in this podcast for any reason it is going to be the diamond in the rough. Who is that player that they're not talking about as much? There's so many prospects that obviously you're going to run into plenty of diamond in the roughs, and we are going to pinpoint each one from each team on who you should look out for. You guaranteed have probably never heard his name, but promise you, you will. And maybe you have heard their name before. Yeah, maybe that, if, you're, if you're that in, 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 into it, yeah, and, <laughs> like and, us. And that, that actually probably would be the most fun name on the team when we do these type of team breakdowns in, in the segment, obviously, that we call three up, three down. Because it's kind of easy to find out, especially if you're into your team enough, who their top prospect is. Who's good, who's the number one guy that's going to be what we would like to call, you, you know, we talked about this a little before the show, the Chris Bryant type of player. Mm-hmm. Who is that guy in the farm system who is going to be the next cornerstone of your team's franchise? But when you look at it, somebody like the Diamond in the Rough, 
that's somebody who who could be that guy who just kind of comes in out of nowhere. As a matter of fact, if you in, in, even if you wanted to rewind, just to give this a little bit more perspective here, somebody it would have been maybe years ago is a guy like Adam Eden, who got drafted in the late rounds, mm-hmm. but he ended up being somebody with an awesome glove, somebody you could put day in and day out at the top of the order. So that's kind of the diamond in the rough type of player. Somebody who is going to make it to the majors and that is going to be give you a little bit more bang for their buck, whatever wherever round it is you drafted them. You got a little bit of a steal, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then going into the bust or somebody who is, at least like I like to say, going to be one of the biggest disappointments that might be a little bit more fun to talk about, too, especially for all the listeners we get along the way. You might want to dial, uh, you might want to message the show or whatnot. Send us a Twitter message, Facebook message, and we'll get you all those handles and whatnot, all that info at the end of the show, because that might be the time to let a little stress go. That might be the time to let a little bit of the anger out the window. But without further ado, it is time to get into that. And, Sam, like you said, you're going to be mentioning, we're going to be breaking down, starting with the National League, we're going to keep it Chicago-based here. We're not a Chicago-based show, we promise you. Uh, the White Sox just happens to make a lot of awesome moves this offseason with top prospects. So in order to kick off this podcast, we almost thought, what other direction can we go? They're right, they're right here in our, They're right here, you know, at home, and they're making a lot of moves. And obviously we were dialed in the whole way. Me, myself, I you know, just to be transparent here, big Sox fan, one of the biggest ones I like to – like to think of in this city, Sam, you're quite the opposite. Big Cubs fan, you're very happy about the World Series. So we're going to be transparent there, but we won't we won't be Chicago based. Hey, I at least have I have 05 to to go back to that. When I want to get nostalgic, maybe I'll just throw in my 2005 great playoff run of the Chicago White Sox. But Sam, I'm sure in dialing into the Cubs because you could see what they did this past year and what they've been doing to rebuild this franchise that is just absolutely phenomenal i'm sure you've had a very very hard time at least i would imagine finding the bus i'm sure you found it was unbelievably hard i'm sure you found all the good prospects i'm sure you found who the top guy is going to be and who maybe that diamond in the rough is there's quite a few guys especially when you have somebody like thea webstein and jed hoyer running the show and rebuilding the team you can find quite a lot of guys that you could throw up there but in terms of finding the bust I'm actually a little intrigued and interested to see exactly who you found, but I'll let you go in order with your three up, three down. All right, we're going to start with the obvious prospect, the name that everyone's probably heard of. You know, this is unbelievable that the Cubs continuously, you know, this is not just me being a fan. This is me just completely being a lover of the game. It's not a little bit of both? It, yeah, I find it. It could be a little bit of both, but I'm telling you what, what this franchise has done. Um, and the amount of prospects that just keep coming and coming and coming. Just when you think they've called everyone up, you know, the Javier Baez's, the Kyle Schwarbers of the world, they just keep on coming. And we've got to start with this one, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, you might have heard him. He, he was playing for their single-A team this year uh, in the South Bend Cubs. And, my goodness, he is just an all-around hitter. He's only 20 years old, first off. So let's just start with that. So he's got plenty of years to, you know, keep brewing in their system. And I can't imagine that he'll be in the pros anytime soon, especially since there's not a lot of room for him right now. Um, But I would expect him, I would say, about 2018 to finally make his way to the Cubs rotation. I mean, just this season. Keep in mind, he was hurt for part of the season. Uh, 14 home runs, 81 RBIs. 329 average in a 532 slugging percentage in just 112 games. My question automatically to you, and I'm sure a lot of listeners would have listening to this type of podcast, is you mentioned the year 2018. Okay, well, that's just next season. And you look around the diamond 
for the Chicago Cubs, and there's not only a ton of talent, but a ton of young talent. A lot of guys that mm-hmm. can even lock in already have locked in. So a question that I think a lot of people are going to have with a talent like that, a talent like Jimenez, is let's just say you project him. Sam's projecting him 2018. Who in the heck can he possibly replace out there on that diamond? <laughs> that's a great question. you got to wonder, you know, how, how much longer the Cubs going to hold on to Ben Zobrist. Uh, I mean, that's one. I mean, there, there's plenty plenty of options out there. Who's going to play center field? You never know. I mean, if Elmora Jr. doesn't totally work out, I mean, I'm not expecting John Jay to be out there too long either. I mean, Elor Jimenez is a guy to look. He could play the field, you know. he. I mean, he's he's not a bad outfielder. He's not naturally a center fielder either, though. He's naturally a left fielder, uh, which, again, could work in their favor. And who knows, God forbid, one day, if the National League has a designated hitter, Kyle Schwarber could just play DH where he belongs, but Schwarber would probably be gone by then. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, hey, different story. What I, I'm sure we're on this. Everyone's on the same page here. We can all complain about the DH later. Uh, but not only that, you think about a guy like Jimenez, and you know, it doesn't hurt to think of him as trade bait either. When he's that when he's that talented, he could go help just about any other team. And if you find a deal that works for you for both, and you find a uh, you know a, a good starting pitcher to add to your rotation, why not? But moving forward. In a nutshell, Eloy Jimenez, he's got a few years left in him in the, to, to keep brewing in the minors, but he is a stud. He's the obvious prospect. Keep looking out for this guy to keep just getting more and more numbers. Uh, moving forward, we're going to talk about the bus. You're not going to agree with me, but that's fine. You, good luck trying to find a bus for the Cubs because I'm sticking with our rule night right now. Uh, our rule from here moving forward is that the bus has to still be on the team. He's got to be on the in their current farm system. He can't be on any others. Uh, but you'll hear in a little bit for this week. We made a little exception. But I did stick to that rule. And for the Cubs, I went to Carson Sands, the pitcher. Drafted in the fourth round. Does not count. I, it's, you know, it does, does not but, uh, count. Let me, let me tell you why it counts. So fourth round in 2014 out of Florida. Uh, Florida, a very well-known school for their for their baseball program. Sure. Um, I'm not sold yet, but go ahead. But the step back he took. In 2016, he played for the South Bend Cubs, where Eloy played. Okay. And in that season, he posted a 5.91 ERA. Sure. 42 walks. Not only that, he is a starting pitcher. There is no questions about it. He came out of floor as a starter, and the Cubs expected him to be a starter. He got moved out of the rotation in single A. Single A, he got moved out of the rotation halfway through the year, and guess what? He did not find his way back. You had to go all the way to the fourth round. I did have to go all the way. To find somebody... Even remotely disappointing? Remotely disappointing. That, I mean, think about it. All their first-round picks in the last years, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Albert Almora Jr., you try to find one. Now, yeah, of course, wow. I'll throw these names out there because they are busts, uh, but this was a while ago, and they're not with the Cubs anymore. Uh, Brett Jackson and Josh Vitters. Josh Vitters out of high school. Brett Jackson was supposed to hit like 50 home runs a year for the Cubs, and it never happened. They both got called up at the exact same time, and I'll never forget it. I was so excited, and they both did not pan out. So Carson Sands, my bold prediction, he ranks 24 on the Cubs' top 30 right now, and I guarantee he drops out of that by the end of this season. Next season, I should say. See, Uh, I guess i got to give you a little bit of leeway considering he is in the top 25. Right. He's in the Cubs' top 25, which means a little bit of something, even though you were a fourth-round pick. So because he got to that top 25, but now it's underperforming, I guess especially for the first show, well, the ground wars aren't 100% in place. I guess we could let you slide with that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just That big step he took back uh, this season just was extremely rough for him. And you, you, you hope to find him back in the starting rotation, but at this point I can't see it. And he's not going to be moving up anytime soon. But 
I got to go to my last, the third. Three up, three down, like we said. The diamond in the rough. We've got to say it. It's Ryan Williams, right-hander for the Cubs organization. He was the 2015 Minor League Pitcher of the Year for the Cubs. Uh, He was a 10th-round pick in 2014, so the same draft as Carson Sands. Six rounds later, they found themselves Ryan Williams. In In three seasons, Williams has posted a 2.29 ERA, a .97 whip, which I think is the most impressive number, and 20 wins. So this guy continuously is performing. Every single year he gets better. Ryan Williams, I mean, I'm not going to expect him uh, to be up anytime that soon, but I wouldn't be surprised near the end of the year when the rosters expand. Ryan Williams gets his his shot, especially since the Cubs are looking looking for a fifth starter with Jason Hamill on his way out. I could definitely see them taking the chance on Ryan Williams. It doesn't hurt to throw him in there. So maybe expect to see him near the end of the year, but he, he he's probably more of a 2018 player, and he's definitely the diamond in the rough for the Cubs. The last thing the Chicago Cubs need is a diamond in the rough right now. At least <laughs> if you're somebody who is not a fan of the team, that's the last thing. They got plenty of them. They, they have plenty. Not only diamond in the rough, they have plenty of just solid, solid prospects. And now I guess it's going to switch us over now to the other side. Uh, of the central this going into the Let's American hear about the League. south side come on here we go and you know what this is this was made a lot easier for me if we had to do this podcast perhaps three or four months ago this probably would have been a little bit harder uh, a little bit harder of a list a to come bit. up with I I wouldn't doubt I probably would have said uh, the number one the man the top prospect the next cornerstone of the franchise and this is going to scare me a little bit perhaps I would have went with Zach Collins not because we share. The, not because we share. That's the nothing same, to be disappointed because about. Because we share I mean. the same surname or anything. Well, yeah, but when you're trying to consider the person that we're, you know, the, in this whole three up, three down category, the number one name, the creme de la creme, is supposed to be like we've already said, the next cornerstone of a franchise. And hey, for all you know, maybe Zach Collins is just going to be that for the Chicago White Sox. I would bet no. Does he stay a catcher though, or do you care more about his bat? Uh, I, I would probably just at least keep, the Sox and catchers don't oh, necessarily get along. Giovanni Prezinsky, Soto. No, that's, that didn't Soto. work out too well. We and AJ Przinsky, one of my favorite White Sox players of all one time. One of my most hated players of all time. Th- that is absolutely <laughs> why I love him. But perhaps, and whatever you could get with Collins, leave him there as a catcher. That's fine. That's how we're built around the corner. But I don't have to go that way. Instead, I could... I could continue to keep beating the horse with a stick, and th- this was a little hard. It was. It was a little hard picking the number one, but I don't know. There, there's a couple of hot arms in there. Sure, he is the number one prospect in the organization, and this is why I'm going to go with him. It would have been easy to go with a guy like Giolito or a Kopech because they're the arms. There's somebody who can perhaps lead the rotation, or at least they're projected to lead the rotation for years to come. But the reason I'm going to pick Mancata is because he's that f- legit five tool guy he could definitely hit for contact he should hit for contact if he doesn't then he's an absolute bust yeah. this man he, he will. is he, he will he will i mean it's you could you could bet on it and then power he does have pop and he had back-to-back 45 steel seasons in the minors so somebody with that Unreal. kind of speed what that could bring to the white Sox is just an absolute treasure that the organization hasn't felt in quite some time. The man who led the White Sox and Steels last year, I'll just give you one guess, Sam. Can you guess who led the White who Sox and Steels? And it wasn't and a, it was not a tie at the top. It was one man who led the team in Steels. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't 45 Steels either. Oh boy. Uh, I'm going to have to go 
It wasn't Adam Eaton, was it? No, Adam Eaton was second with 14 stolen oh. bases, which isn't even that much. 14 stolen bases. It wasn't even 20, so that's that's okay. But it was Todd Frazier Todd. Oh. <laughs> with 15 stolen bases. So you get where I'm coming at here now. Yeah, not yes. only not only can he add a, the bat and he can play the field, but he can also run and maybe he could see some bases and get things going on the Bates pads. That is exactly why I am picking Yohan Moncada. Besides, he's the number one, you know, via MLB Pipeline, he's the number one prospect in the organization. That is who I'm going with. Now, I'm going to go to the bus. I'm going to save the diamond the rough one for last. Transitioning to somebody who you just wanted to get out of town. And the the, the rule going forward is the, the, the bust, so to speak, is supposed to be somebody who not only is on the team, mm-hmm. but you don't want them to be on the team. You just don't know why they're there, and you just want them they're, to get rid of them, but they're stuck. They're, they're just stuck they're with just, this guy. They're this just first-rounder who just Random space bust. in the clubhouse, in the minor league clubhouse that you want. Total, totally random. When I mention this name, and White Sox fans are going to remember this one, an LSU star absolutely shined in the 2009 College World Series. That is an outfielder. A two-sport athlete at LSU played, played obviously, baseball. He's an outfielder and wide receiver for the Tigers, Jared Mitchell, who was an absolute – it was a head-scratcher. You don't know how he was drafted in the top 25 in the 2009 draft. First-round pick by the Chicago White Sox, 23 overall, if you want to get technical with it. Batted 348 in the College World Series with two doubles, one triple, and two round trippers, seven RBIs, scored four times. Most notably lost, launched a three-run home run in the first inning of Game 3 of the College World Series. So he was an absolute stud. He was named the most outstanding player. That's when he was put right there for everybody to see how great of a prospect, how great of a talent he was. Then he just did not pan out. He's been off. He's been away from the White Sox organization. He's now in the, in the New York Yankees organization. For we're coming up on almost a year. February of 2016 is when he signed a minor league contract with the New York Yankees. No longer with the White Sox, but absolutely good riddance. As I mentioned, no major league baseball stats whatsoever. His three teams in the minors. Here's his minor league baseballs: 209 average for the three teams before switching over to the Eastern League with the New York Yankees. Overall, I'll just break it down for you: betting 227. It's, it's just just get out just just leave just get out to I it, you know it's it sucks to say something like that but when you get that prospect especially somebody drafted in the first round Sam Jared Mitchell didn't necessarily have to be the next cornerstone but the White Sox had a guy like Aaron Rowan years ago then they went for a guy like Brian Anderson bust and then you thought maybe a guy like Jared Mitchell could be your center fielder or at least outfielder for the future bust it just didn't work out didn't really steal a lot of bases 92 stolen bases he, caught, he was caught stealing 39 times so far in his minor league days. But good riddance, he's gone. That's going to transition us to somebody who I feel, he's an outfielder himself, could be the diamond in the rough. And here's another familiar name, Adam Engel. And he's an outfielder. Obviously, everybody, all the White Sox fans out there now are going to be jumping at this name. He's actually one of the top, top 10 prospects, I want to say, in the White Sox organization before all this, all these hot ones came into town. He, he was a top 10 prospect. He moved down to top 12, so he's still in that top dozen, but absolute phenomenal speed, 80 speed. 
he tops out. And plenty, plenty of stolen. 45 stolen bases thus far. So this guy could definitely, I mentioned Moncada, bring in a lot of stolen bases perhaps to the club. Hopefully, same thing goes here. He has 180 stolen bases overall in his minor league career with six teams. 85, uh, check that, 180 stolen bases, caught stealing 45 times. So if you want to do a little bit of math there, I'm not a mathematician, but that is a good ratio, and that is my diamond in the rough. And would you look at that, Sam? We're already one episode in on the Diamond in the Rough podcast. That was quick. It was fun. Was it was really quick. quick. <laughs> it was really quick. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, I mean, it was fun, but that, that was very fast. I mean, hey, well, let's just say this. Look. Um, like we mentioned earlier, this is not a Chicago podcast. We just no. there just happen to be so many moves. The Cubs won the twenty sixteen World Series. You'll hear me say that a few more times. Probably every episode. Probably every episode. Let's be real. Um, and the White Sox are making great moves. There's, there's yes. no doubt about it, yes. and it's exciting for both sides of Chicago uh, to finally have you know two competing teams. Maybe finally the Crosstown Classic will mean something again. I don't think it has since Michael Barrett knocked the crap. Out of A.J. Przinsky, which is still one of my favorite pictures one of, the best of all time. Moment, it's one of the best moments of all it's time. It's one of the best moments of all time, but, he, but it hasn't been the same since then. It truly hasn't. Both teams kind of they kind of went you know they went way down after that, and uh, it's taken a while to finally get back up. But it's exciting. All these prospects we're naming are unbelievable players, and for, for both sides of Chicago, it's going to be a lot of fun for many years. And hopefully this podcast is a whole lot of fun for as long as we want to do it. we got many, many more episodes to come. Sam, hit me with all the handles, all the info, all the Facebookness, and all, all that all that good stuff, all that jazz. All right, all right, all right. Well, we're getting to Facebook uh, very soon here. But for now, what I want you to do is go follow us on Twitter at Diamond Podcast, D-I-A-M-O-N-D, Podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You know how to spell it. That's where you could find us on there. Or you could send us an email at Diamond in the Rough podcast at gmail.com send us any questions you have pictures whatever you want to share with us please send it our way and we'll make sure to give you a lovely shout out and uh keep things going from there but follow us on twitter send us some some emails we, we, we'd love to hear from you now it is officially time to sign off for my co-host sam ostrowski i'm dan collins we'll catch you on the flip side here on the diamond in the rough podcast